Good morning, everybody. I'm Gabe DeSanto. I'm the president of the Ontario High School Conservative Association, and I'm glad you are able to join me today. Today, we have the MP for Stormont, Dundas, South Glengarry, joining us, Eric Duncan. Eric was first elected in 2019 to be the MP after many years in the public and private sector. He was first elected as a municipal councillor in, in North Dundas at the age of 18, one of the youngest elected officials in Canadian history at that time, and he became mayor at 22 with 72% of the vote. He has also worked at his family trucking business, JED Express, which is actually one of Canada's best managed companies, if you don't know about that yet. And he worked there since 2016, and he is a strong community figure. He's involved with over 50 organizations, groups, and events. And he has raised lots of money for charity and other important causes. And right now, he currently serves as the question period coordinator on Erno Tools leadership team. Thank you, Eric, for joining us today. Great to be here. Thanks for the invitation and for all the work you're doing. Thank you for joining us. And we always like to start the interview with a question and answer period. And all these questions are asked by our high school members from across Ontario and across Canada. So the first question is, since you are the question period coordinator for Aaron O'Toole, as we just mentioned, what do you love about question period? And this question comes from Jack in Milton. Thanks, Jack. It's, it's been an interesting job uh, over the course of the last I lose track. I think it's nine months now uh, that I've had the honor of, of serving on the leadership team with Aaron uh, and specifically question period. And I have a, a, a newfound appreciation. I'd say I, do, I still do have my frustrations with question period. But the reason they call it question period is because the answers aren't very good and thorough uh, that come from the government. And, and that's, uh, well, a partisan statement, of course, uh, but I think a, a nature of what's happened uh, in the House and how things have unfortunately changed where the government just comes up with the general talking points and not responding. So a lot of people get frustrated with that. But if, if I were to look at the glass half full of what question period is still able to do, that is the pinnacle of our, our democracy and the news cycle uh, of both the media and, and and Canadians in general. That's where uh, messages can get out. We can hear what a government's answer is or isn't as things go on. And it gives us an opportunity to put on the radar where we're coming from, uh, holding the government to account. They don't want to talk about certain things, but they don't have the, the agenda during that one hour question period. It's our chance to raise our issues and what Canadians are talking about. So it's been, uh, you know, for me, I have a newfound appreciation where we're reacting to perhaps stories that are in the news that morning, but we also have the ability to make news as well and get things on the radar of Canadians and the media. And the other thing I would say as well, that it gives an opportunity for us to be a voice, not just in our own individual writings. We hold 120 writings in our caucus, but there are 338 across the country. So we need to make sure that in our questions that we're putting out there, that we re represent the seats we don't hold yet, and we need to. So in Newfoundland, in Northern Canada, in the GTA, we have a couple of seats, but we need a heck of a lot more to form government. So that's the balance of the job. It's a different challenge every day. Um, but uh, again, regardless, the question period still serves as the backbone of our parliamentary process. Well, that is a well said statement. Like you said, it really is the starting point and ending point for so many <laughs> things that are happening in our country right now. Like, like you said, we're 
in question period, you get to hear so many different answers from so many different people. There's different responses, which are interesting. Let's go back to Pablo Rodriguez the other day, but that's besides <laughs> the point. But there's yep. a lot of things that happen in question period that are very interesting. And that really is how things start to get done in our country. So the second question is, um, it's from Wesley in Mississauga, and it's a little heavier question, but it's, do you face any difficulties being an MP who is part of the LGBTQ plus community? And especially I want to mention when you're sitting across from the people who got elected and promised to lift the blood ban on gay people and still haven't come forward with their promise, what do you, do you face any difficulties and how do you feel about that? No, it's a good question and one that I get asked. It's funny. I always talk, I joke, I talk more about my sexuality in the last two years than I have my entire 33-year life, but I also know that I'm in a unique circumstance being and proud to be uh, the first openly gay conservative MP uh, for the Conservative Party of Canada. And uh, so I, I've reluctantly, not that I'm not proud, but I've reluctantly embraced that. And I know the, the role and I know uh, hopefully the inspiration it provides to a lot of LGBT Canadians who support the Conservative Party, support lower taxes, uh, you know, and I say being fiscally responsible and socially relevant. And that's where a lot of Canadians find themselves. So having representation in our caucus, I think is really important and in our movement as well. So for me, I will say this, I have always been very warmly welcomed in the party. I love working with my colleagues uh, from uh, the, all across the political tent. And I think it's important that every political party have a wide diversity of views. So when we're in caucus and we're talking about issues, um, you know, there's life experiences that are lived there as well. And then obviously representing our constituents and where they're coming from too. Uh, I know I say I'm the first, I won't be the last. Uh, and part of my job as well is that when the second openly uh, gay or member of the LGBT community comes along and the third and the fifth and the 10th and so forth, it makes it easier for them where perhaps that question is asked a lot less and it's just deemed more normal that there are LGBT caucus members like there are staff members now by the dozens, there are supporters by the tens of thousands that identify as LGBT. Uh, they call themselves an ally and uh, consider themselves an ally. So it's been, it's been uh, very good that way. Um, and I just encourage people, uh, you know, for those uh, who are, um, you know, LGBT, who are allies and friends of, speak up and say, as a conservative, it's important that we support uh, things like ending conversion therapy, that we support the ending of the blood ban, that we support, uh, you know, LGBT rights. And I think the, you know, our party's future and our success is based on more Canadians seeing our compassionate side and seeing that we can connect that way. So it's been an exciting, uh, it's been an exciting time. It's uh, my, my, um, my personal life, not that it might be specifically my personal life, but my life experience has formed a lot of the, the questions and the things that I've got, but I've embraced that because I know for us to have a bright future as a conservative movement, um, members of the LGBT community need to be a part of that. Well, that is like, uh, first of all, that's, thank you for sharing your experiences with us. And it definitely is, uh, something to remember and that you started well I guess you kind of you're like you said you're the first so that when there's more people that come into the party they're warmly welcomed like you were and our our world it changes all the time and our conservative party is changing too it's we're a big party that invites so many more people and we end those those narratives that 
people give the conservative party about being an old-fashioned party that nobody is not that's not socially relevant anymore but that's not true we're a big party we invite so many more people like Aaron O'Toole said in his first speech as always bring this up but it's it was a great first speech that he gave how everybody can find themselves in the conservative party Absolutely. No, and, that, and that's very well said, too. And it's, you know, and, and that's part of our our challenge as a party is making sure that we modernize. I look uh, for inspiration myself to the United Kingdom and what Boris Johnson as prime minister and his conservative government is doing there. They are growing. Uh, I follow with interest a lot of U.S. and U.K. politics. Uh, they have 20 LGBT uh, members of their caucus. They have dozens and dozens of millennials, uh, you know, those under, you know, even in their mid 20s and mid 30s, uh, you know, culturally diverse, and they're seeing massive success in that country. They're winning in areas, including in the Hartlepool by-election in the UK. They just won a seat in a by-election there. They've only held once in the last 50 or 70 years. They're changing I believe. 1964. And so, and they got over, you know, they got a majority of the vote in that by-election. They are changing the landscape for the better. And uh, their movement has been based on being modern, being inclusive, and having more diversity in it. And diversity of thought, diversity of vote equals big wins and big success. We need to do the same thing in Canada. Exactly. In the UK Conservative Party, they, like us, are a big party as well. They they represent a big place. And there are some lessons that we can learn from them and make up our own ideas and make more people come to the party and find themselves in our party. Absolutely. The third question comes from Jairi in Brampton, and he asks, how can MPs develop a sense of connection with their community? So keeping to the grassroots, I think, is really important. We talk about that, and that's a buzzword that's used, but what does that actually mean? And I appreciated you, uh, you know, giving some of my background in your intro. So there's a few things. I've always suggested to people who are interested in getting into politics and those who are here, the advice doesn't change. Be involved in your community. I don't mean that just in the sense, oh, well, I'm an MP or I'm a candidate or I'm an elected official going to council meetings. That's obviously the key part of our job, what we're paid to do. But it, it goes taking it to the next layer. And I, I've been very lucky. It, I served as a mayor before. I started off, as you mentioned, when I was 18 years old. I became mayor when I was 22, regional chair at 25, MP at 31. And I attest, I, I like to thank my, my style at the council table and uh, has been you know, uh, respected and reflected uh, in, in my elections uh, at the different levels. But the one thing I've always do, done is make sure to take time to volunteer and do those extra things and those extra curriculars that I think builds a lot of credibility and networks uh, within our ridings and in my riding. So I, I say to people who are interested in becoming candidates or who are MPs or who are elected officials, being involved with the grassroots means, yes, door knocking, doing those election things, going to events, but also taking leadership roles outside your nine to five job. And it's not a nine to five job, but your regular job duties, rather. So I, I volunteer just as an example. Um, I'm a big uh, history buff and interested in protecting and preserving our local history. So what I've done is about a three-year project in the making as a volunteer. I went and worked with all the current newspapers, our rural newspapers in the rural part of our riding, uh, work with our local ca- uh, county council, work with local archives and history groups. We brought and co- organized and cataloged and archived 
all those newspapers in a safe place, but then we scanned and digitized 210,000 newspaper pages going back to 1865, uh, helped the community, met some wonderful people along the way, some of who have since become supporters of mine, uh, and then just, uh, I think, ambassadors uh, for our brand and our message as well. So my my summary of my message is be involved with the grassroots, volunteer, know the pulse of your community, and that's more than just showing up to a meeting or reading a newspaper. Be on the ground, be involved, and that will make a big difference. Exactly. And well, first of all, the the newspaper, I saw that on, on CTV <laughs> News the other night, and I found that amazing. It's it's really cool. I haven't checked out the, the website yet, but I definitely will. But uh, like you said, just really getting involved when there's in the community. I mean, MPs and MPPs and all the different representatives, they represent our community. They are for the people in the community they're their representative in government and they're there for them we hire you basically at election time we choose you to be the best representative for our community and that just goes for everybody just really get into the community go to the different events get involved with people and that's that's it so the fourth question is, what type of Canada would you like to see in the next 10 to 15 years? And this comes from the OHSCA team. That's a great question. That's a deep question. I'll try to see what I can do in 60 seconds here or so. Um, I, I'd like to see a couple of things. Uh, our population continue to grow. Our quality of life that we have here in our country. Uh, when we look at uh, a lot of the key demographics of quality of life, we've got a very good thing going on here in our country. So wanting to see those grow. I always say this, Gabe, about I, I don't believe anybody that comes to Ottawa or any political party in our national discourse is trying to cut the quality of life or lower the quality of life. The question of debate is how do we best go about that? And for me, uh, a, a, a key reason why I'm a conservative is, um, you know, letting you know, from the free enterprise, the capitalist side of things, and letting business uh, grow and evolve, getting jobs created in this country, giving people personal freedom to achieve their own success. And I think another key part of that is, yes, there's a role for government, but there's a role for smart, efficient government. And where I'm proud to be a conservative is that we look at this to say, yes, government does have a role uh, to play in our success. But there's many times when getting government out of the way, getting regulation, getting red tape out of the way could actually create more success um, and, and achieve goals in the same way, I think, in a better way. And I also think I, I love the lens that our party, and again, I go back to looking at other uh, type of uh, conservative parties uh, like the UK, uh, Australia, New Zealand, Germany with interest as well, Angela Merkel and her party, is the idea of creativity, of working smarter, not harder when it comes to innovation and creativity to support business, to support free enterprise, to support support personal freedom, we can actually come up with this. And I find the other parties is what new government program, what new study, what new layer of bureaucracy can we create to help? Childcare is a perfect example. I'm very worried, not that we're talking about childcare and the government, the liberal government is trying to address you know, better childcare for people. I'm just very worried about the liberal and the left way of doing things. Let's create a national bureaucracy. Let's create a bunch of oversight on these things. I actually think the irony is, is letting people develop options and flexibility that works for them, given what the conservatives did, the universal childcare benefit, the child tax benefit, getting that set up, 
giving the dollars to parents for the freedom for them to choose what works best for them. That's been a conservative principle that stayed with this liberal government, at least anyway, thankfully. They've made some other changes since we, we've left government, but that's the whole reason we get in there. We can do better. We can increase our quality of life. We can make Canada, you know, right up in that upper echelon of being the best place to live. It's how we get to it. And I think there's a good record of success when we take a look at the conservative model of doing things. We can find inspiration of what we've done in the past year. But we can look to other conservative governments around the world and what they've been able to achieve as well. Well, like you said, there's so many different things that make us conservative. And looking at the different countries around the world that are run by great conservatives and looking at our own history, and we've had our fair share of conservative prime ministers as well. And I mean, especially the other day was the 10 year anniversary of the 2011 election. That was that was a big milestone, but we just need to look at the conservative way of, of how we can run our country. And there's a great appeal to the conservative way. We have smaller government, we have better fiscal responsibility and that's, and we also want people to have the best life that they can while not intruding on their life and also while helping them out at the same time, unlike the liberal government, which is, I'm not even gonna say, cause that's way too long <laughs> to explain how they're doing, but take a look at the news, everybody. And you'll see how the, how the liberal party is running Canada right now, but it, it really is something to, think of as conservatives. For sure. And another word, I think and that was very well said. And I think too, is the sustainability, the financial sustainability. And I look uh, being a, an Ontario MP in watching with, with frustration what happened at the provincial level. We saw the Green Energy Act. We saw uh, numerous scandals to do with the energy file and energy issues, overspending and getting into a serious financial pickle in the province of Ontario. And I mean, I felt bad for Doug Ford before COVID hit, uh, let alone right now. But the mess and the long-term damage that reckless spending policies consistent tax increases just no bottom of the barrel when it came to spending um you know it, it took unfortunately far too long it took 15 years for ontarians to uh, to get a conservative party back in power there provincially but we need to do the same thing in Ottawa. I see a lot of the frustrations where, to your point, it's just not sustainable. They're spending a ton of money. And frankly, in a lot of areas, they aren't doing it ethically in the way that they do it either. Uh, they look at this budget that just came through. It's an election budget, not a long-term plan. No plan to balance the budget. And um, we're either going to have a massive amount of debt or we're going to have tax increases. And I don't think those are supported by the majority, either of those options. But it's our job to get the message out there to show ourselves as a government in waiting. That is a key piece of what uh, what we're working hard on. Well, like in, in Aaron O'Toole's uh, convention speech and, and what he said at the convention, the Conservatives will put forward a good plan too. And the plan is out there. Look at it on the website. But we have a good plan to bring Canada back and make it balance the budget in the next 10 years. And that's realistic. It's very realistic. It's not too rushing. He said no immediate cuts or anything like that. It's going to be a good plan. And I think that as conservatives, we can be the ones that make Canada make the young people like myself and my, and the members in my group and my 
my uh, fellow classmates and everybody that's being born now, help them have a better future, not just have a future of having to pay the government because of Justin Trudeau and Christa Freeland and Bill Morneau's mistakes and the whole cabinet of the Trudeau government, whether they're still there or gone or whatever, we have to bring in a conservative government to fix that. And as young people, we have we should have a better future than what the liberals are trying to give us. So before we wrap up, we we always like to have a casual chat about young conservatives and how they can get more involved. So what do you think that high school conservatives can do in order to get more politically involved? And what is one piece of advice you would give them? Get off the sidelines and get involved. Uh, simple, as simple as that. I'll share you my story. I mentioned we talked about my elected office at 18 and going so forth there. But the, I think what's key in my advice for uh, young conservatives that are interested, whether and I got involved when I was in high school, actually, I think it was right around grade nine. And my advice is is twofold. Get involved with your local conservative association. Uh, get involved with the Ontario High School Conservative Association, but also get involved with your local board or EDA. Help out with fundraisers, help out with campaigns, learn those skills that'll help you, not just in politics, but in, in, in your in university, college, into the workplace afterwards, uh, whether that be in politics or not, or whether polit politics is a, is a volunteer interest of yours on the side. Sign up for things like the Conservative Internship Program. It's, there's a national one here uh, for the Conservative Party of Canada. I know there's one for the Ontario PCs at Queen's Park as well. Give yourself that tangible experience, build your networks, and, and get involved. People always wonder that they say, oh, they don't want young people involved in politics. That is absolutely categorically false. People need to step up. You guys got to build the skills and show what you need to do to, to, to get at the table. But people want that young, energetic voice that is there. There are options and there's opportunities. It's never too young to get involved and uh, to, to build up skills. So if I can give my example, I started off 13, 14 years old. I joined our local conservative board provincially. I had a wonderful mentor, got to meet wonderful people, help out with campaigns, eventually became a staff member, uh, a campaign manager, uh, a candidate myself, and now an MP. And so uh, I think in today's day and age, people uh, over talk about how young people are discouraged from politics. I think there is a great interest from everybody across, uh, you know, from voters and from candidates to have young people involved. I wish we had more. Well, that is some good advice we always hear from every single guest that we've had you're our 13th guest now and pretty much every single guest tells us in one way or another for our members and for young people to just get involved with your local association like they would love to have your help i'm sure they'd love to have the youth voice if right now is the season for candidate elections in your in your writings get involved with that find a nominee that you side with or find whoever's running in your uh in your local conservative nomination race there's so many races going on right now some of them have been chosen but there's still a lot of uh candidates in the next election that still haven't been chosen yet so I'm sure your EDA is looking right now and if you are in high school join our group uh, the join link will be in the bio below so thank you Eric for your time today we really thank you for joining us and we appreciate you being with us today and we wish you well in everything that goes forward in next elections and parliament and we really thank you for joining us today 
Well, thank you very much for having me. I, I think my staff sent this to me. I got it back in about five seconds and said, yes, absolutely. The work that you guys are doing is so important. So me coming on, hopefully uh, giving some advice and encouragement to young conservatives like yourself, Gabe, and those that are listening in. Uh, again, I look forward to give me a tap on the shoulder when we get back into meeting in person at conventions and in meetings. Please, folks, uh, if you haven't yet, give me a tap on the shoulder, introduce yourself and get involved. <laughs> thank you. And that is it. We really thank all of you for joining us today for today's interview. We, You can look forward to more videos and interviews soon. I have a giant list. I'll share it as time goes on. We'll share it. We have a big list of guests coming up. We're going into the summer, hopefully. We have plans for going in the next months until an election is called, whenever that is. You can count on there being interviews mostly on every Tuesday, unless we say so on our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow our social media channels, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Ontario HS Cons. And make sure to look at our website at ontariohsconservatives.org. That has all our info. There's so much content on our social channels and on our website. Make sure to like this video, subscribe to our channel, and uh, click the notification bell so you never miss a video. And we hope to see you all soon. Thank you. Mm -hmm.